All right, folks, here we are. We're back at the podcast on this yeah. hill. It's a beautiful sunny day in Oregon, wherever you're hearing, listening yep. to this. It's, yeah. The sun is shining, rare day. Go I don't outside. know how many new listeners we get, but uh, if you're new to us, this is a podcast from Church on the Hill. We are uh, one church in uh, in Turner and Kaiser. Now, that, that's kind of funny right there, because we don't really talk about being a Turner church very much, because Most Salem... don't know where it is. Salem is the bigger town that we're right at the at the edge of, yeah, but so our so. address is is Turner, which is a small town, Yeah, which has become kind of popular recently to yeah, move to Turner. should have bought land there a few years ago, yeah. like everything else. Yeah. When did we become not just the church on the hill out here in Turner, but uh, when did uh, when did Kaiser become church on the hill? Kaiser Campus opened in January of 2010. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't know where Kaiser is, it's, it's on the north end of our of our uh, city of Salem, uh, right on the freeway, right off the freeway, I-5 mm-hmm. corridor there, and uh, tens of thousands of people pass by there every day, and yep. uh, it's a property we purchased across the street from Kennedy Elementary, and so it's been a really yeah. strategic place to be. Yeah, it was our, the church building was already there. Yeah, I'm not sure who put it there, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, January 10th, 2010 was my first Sunday at Church on the Hill, mm. uh, and that was the first Sunday of the Kaiser campus, and uh, you'd invited me to come be a part of that, wow. so I, I left the church I was at. Mm. Uh, you know what the... I, I've told you this before, I think, but the pastor, where I, when I left... And I, I sat down with the pastor and said, I love my church. I love you guys. I'm not leaving out of any mm-hmm. offense at all. I'm going uh, to, to help a guy I know, Bruce Stefanik, yeah. start another campus, you know, in, in this location here in Kaiser. And they warned you about and they, that. And they, 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 they did. They warned me. <laughs> they didn't warn me about you because I don't <laughs> think they knew you from Adam. But they said, uh, Jason, you know, if that's what God's saying, that's great. But I just want to tell you that that location is a church graveyard. Mm. That's what they told me. Uh-huh. And he was being, actually, he's a great guy. I, I love him dearly. Sure. He's someone I mm. still have very high regard for. And he wasn't lying. The truth was that location had seen a lot of churches come and go. Right, yeah. And not really ever, I think, get traction. Um, mm. And I thought, well... I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe I'm going to go there, and we're going to try to do something, and we fail. But mm. the worst thing that could happen is we tried to do something for Jesus. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah. risks. Life, yeah, life is full of risks. Life is full of risks, <laughs> and this that risk was well worth taking because we got a thriving campus there now. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be out there. It's yeah, a, in the neighborhood, right in the neighborhood. That's what we were after. Yeah, a presence of a you know a Jesus community in yep. a neighborhood where people could walk to. So. Yeah, and, and, that, and people do. That's that's a big difference between these two campuses. Is that it's not that this campus at, at uh, Turner doesn't have homes around it, but it's pretty limited. Yeah. there's one street. We're a little bit out. There's a dozen homes, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Where uh, the Kaiser campus is right in the middle of residential. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a bunch of apartment buildings right around it. Yeah. There's a there's a trailer park directly across the mm-hmm. street. There's a school. There's little caddy corner from us. There's yeah. little league fields. Yeah, yeah. So we are really yeah. in the middle. Of a town. Yeah. It's beautiful to be there. We do an after-school program for the public school across the street, and they literally can just walk across our parking lot and yep. come in and and uh, be loved on by our staff and yeah. and encouraged. So that yeah. was part of the dream way back in the day. Yeah. And we could really uh, use some people that would be willing to step up and serve community yeah. you want because to help with those kids need mentors. Kids. They need people to play with them and love on them yeah. and spend time with them. Uh, as well as on our on our Sundays, I'm not afraid to give a plug here and say that, uh, man, this last Sunday we had like uh, 200 kids, which used to be the number that would come on maybe a um, an Easter, yeah, 
And now it's kind of a regular Sunday occurrence to have that many kids show up. And, and we're not interested in just keeping our kids occupied while the parents hear the Word of God. Like, we are ministering to children. Yeah, it's not child care. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it, it might be... I mean, I, I, they're not in competition with one another. They're just not. But if you could only have one, man, maybe minister to kids more than adults. That's your future. Because, huh? yeah, that's... Those those kids need to hear Jesus, and that's the next generation. Yeah. So that's the beauty, though, right? Um, we we have a I don't know our culture here at Church in the Hill is you know ministering across the generations. One generation shall tell the next of the wonderful works mm-hmm. of the Lord, and so that's something we try to cultivate uh, right now. Right? We just last night started a parenting class. Yep. Uh, we have about 200 adults in the room yeah. and uh, parents, and some of them are seasoned parents. Yeah. Uh, they're parents who... Yep, there's grandparents that are sitting at the table. Yeah. There's, there's brand yeah, new parents. Brand new parents, pregnant yeah. women. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's we have the whole gamut. But uh, the vision of the class is to try to cast a passion for um, being a, an engaged parent, an aware parent, a godly yeah. parent, and a multiplying, you know, where you're going to hand yeah. it off the faith and hand off mm-hmm. uh, what it means to be uh, a follower of Jesus and a good citizen to the yeah, next generation. Yeah, the way you said that is really valuable because I, I left last night and one of the things, you know, you always kind of debrief in your mind as you're driving home. How did that go? Yeah. What would I do different if I was doing mm-hmm. it again? And and I one of the things I thought was I talked about, we talked about um, raising godly children, which is what we're, that's what a parenting class, you know, is sure, for and yeah. about. But step one is, am I am I a godly parent? Yeah, because I yeah I it it it's sad, but it's not uncommon that people might have the testimony. Again, my parents sent me to church as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like it, that'll be good for you, you know. Or they let the bus pick you up. A lot of a lot of churches used to have bus ministries that would go around. weren't you were you ever a part of a bus ministry? I was, yeah, California, yeah. Northern Cal, it's a fun time. Yeah, so you drove around a bus and picked kids up pick and brought them to church, up. ministered yeah. to them. Yeah, and a lot of times their parents didn't go or didn't want to go, but they yep. were happy to let their kids go, which is kind of a funny thing. But um, but oftentimes that parent yeah. would end up following because yep. Johnny would come home and. Or Susie would come home and read Bible verses they learned or sing songs they learned and mm-hmm. began to soften the hearts of, of, of the parents. You know, one of the things yeah. I was thinking of last night is that, you know, chronologically you may be 40, but um, there, play, there may be places in your life emotionally that haven't kept up yeah. you know, with the chronological passing of mm-hmm. time. And so you have parents who are 40 who are trying to raise children, but they have unformed areas in their own lives Mm -hmm. that they still need to be parented in, Mm -hmm. which isn't a condemnation, it's just a fact of life, right? That Mm -hmm. uh, that's sometimes the panic we feel like, I don't know if I'm ready to have children because I haven't figured things out in my own life yet. But unfortunately, life doesn't stop and allow us to oftentimes catch up. It happens along the way. Yeah. I often think about a show that was really popular for a long time because they basically took a psychological term and they made it into a show. It's called uh, Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what you're talking... What's what you're describing is, I'm 40, but in this part of my life, I'm an eighth grader, Yeah. right? Because something something arrested or stopped my development at the eighth grade. Like, I, I matured to a certain point, and then maybe I didn't have a dad who had ever gone past that point himself. And so I react to some situations like you'd expect a, yeah. an eighth grade boy to react, yeah. as opposed to how you'd expect a 40-year-old man to react. Yeah. Or, you know, on the on the female side, like, yeah, I, man, I got stuck 
in the sixth grade and something about my parenting or something mm-hmm. about school or you know something else that happened to me and in every other place I might be I might be a high performer on my job like I'm 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 succeeding in this one area but then there's this other area of my life or relationships I just can't figure it out I keep picking the wrong guy and, I, and it's because well you've you've got the taste mm-hmm. of a six-year-old <laughs> you right. know or a yeah. or a sixth grade girl mm-hmm. And maybe we need some reparenting. Isn't it interesting uh, here here in the church world where we're living and working, we oftentimes see a pattern of people, uh, maybe kids who are raised in church, uh, whose parents brought them faithfully, they were part of a youth group or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they get into college, university years, and they disappear. Yeah. And they're who knows where for four or six years. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they reappear seven years later. Now they're married mm-hmm. with a little child. And they're saying they use a phrase that sounds like this: "We just, we just, we just need to get back in church." Yeah. And I think what's going on, and we're glad for that, but I think what's going on is they realize now it's not just my life mm-hmm. that might be affected, but right. I, I actually have a little life that I've been mm-hmm. trusted with that I love to death, right. and uh, I need to instill some of the things that I value the most. Mm-hmm. I, maybe I've neglected them, but... Yeah. I, and so in a sense, what I'm describing is growing up, right? right. They're growing up and realizing, no, this, this should be a priority, and it mm-hmm. hasn't been. So. I think that's the, you know, the toolbox analogy in a way. Like, There's something about having kids that makes you realize, oh, I don't know if I've got the tools for this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd, I'd collected enough tools to to run the life of a twenty-something single guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I went to work on time. I know how to I make paid good my espresso. bills. Yeah, I know. How to make, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, real, the real necessity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've picked up enough to you know. I I've got insurance. I'm, I'm. But then you have a kid. You're like, oh, this is more than just getting to work on time uh-huh. or having insurance. Like, I need some help here. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the last place I remember finding wisdom and finding comfort, finding love, was in the church. Yeah, and so they end up kind of swinging back around and saying, "I, I feel like it's time to come back." Isn't it interesting how we were just having a conversation right before we started this podcast about um, as we grow older as men, mm-hmm. just speaking for us right now in this in this studio, that um, we realize the older we got, the more things are fathers were right about that we wouldn't admit they were right about when we were 18 or 19, right? Mm-hmm. And so here we are as parents and fathers uh, yeah. and men who are married realizing, yeah, there's a lot I thought I knew, but I really didn't know, right. but I didn't want to let on, or I rebelled against it, or mm-hmm. I was stubborn, or or whatever. And uh, yeah. there's something about, uh, maybe it's just, again, the passing of time, maybe it's experience, but you begin to realize there's still a lot that I need to, yeah. to know, and passivity is an enemy. Yeah. Passivity isn't my friend. I, I have to be uh, um, mm-hmm. proactive about it. Yeah, in that conversation, uh, I hope it's okay. I say this because just us three guys standing around talking up there. Yeah. you know, a few minutes ago, you said you'd actually written a letter yeah. to your dad. Yeah, and asked for forgiveness about some of your stubbornness yeah. back then. Sure. Yeah, I was I was twenty seven years old, maybe twenty eight, right around there, twenty seven, twenty eight, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a, uh, a discipleship program, and, and I don't even know exactly what all was said in the subject matter of that mm-hmm. particular week, but the light bulb moment was, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not as... Uh, That's the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, right. Uh, it's like, mm-hmm. what, those are the levels of learning, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. But one of the light bulb moments in that, at that time was, uh, my dad had a lot of good things to pass on to me, but I, I, I was pretty... Um, 
arrogant, stubborn in, yeah. in those teen years. Yeah. And so I actually penned a letter to him, and I'd never written a letter to my own dad in, 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 mm-hmm. in my entire life. And in that letter, I just apologized for not listening in my arrogance mm-hmm. and, and just appreciating everything he had tried to instill in me. Now, I'd yeah. been out of the house by that time for seven years, eight yeah, years. I you was were married. married by then. Yeah, I was married yeah. with a two-year-old. And his reaction was just shocking. He's like, you know, he was blown away. Couldn't believe it. Mm. Uh, um, Did he write back or just next time he saw you? Yeah, next time he saw me, next time we talked on the phone, he said, I really appreciated that. And I know it touched him. You know, and I think that's, now that I'm a father, I realize Mm. the the feedback I get from my my sons is super valuable, right? Because, you know, everybody's... We, you know what's crazy about parenting? It, mm. It's different than, say, uh, learning biology where you're dissecting frogs or something. Right. We're practicing on human beings. Yeah, they're, they're living. Yeah, we're practicing. We're, we're not proficient no. yet. So we're practicing discipline, and we're practicing uh-huh. communication, and practicing how to love, and all this. Yeah. And it's like, man, yeah. I'm practicing on people I love right now. Which is why, you know, part of the reason why we kind of titled this class Parenting on Purpose. Yeah. Because if you're not doing it intentionally with purpose, you tend to just fall back on, well, this is what my dad said. Right. You do what you've and, always and done. And you, we've all, if you're a parent, you've probably had that experience. Your kids get old enough, you, you hear words come out of your mouth. And you're like, oh my goodness, I said that. That's like, my dad. Just like right my dad. There. And sometimes you might be like, well, yeah, that is that is right. You yeah. know, he he said that <laughs> and that's true. But other times it might come out of your mouth, you're like, what am I doing? Yeah, what's, I didn't what's happening right I now? I didn't like that when he said it, and I'm not sure I believe it now. Yeah. Like I need some I need some more wisdom than I got mm-hmm. growing up. And that's not a that's not a, necessarily a fault of our parents because they were doing the best that they could yeah. with what they've been given. You know, that's one of the conversations that happens around the table in a parenting class like that is you start talking about how you were raised. Because if we're going to talk about how we raise kids, you kind of got to start with, well, how was I raised? Yeah, what shaped me? You have to examine it. We do that with every premarital. Like, hey, just so you know, if you don't really think about this, you're just going to take in your mom and dad's marriage because that's what you've known and seen. Yeah. And maybe they didn't have one, or maybe one of them wasn't there. Or, so you're going to need more than you got yeah. to go into this this marriage. And the same thing happens with parenting. Like, we better look backwards so that we can look forward and say, oh, maybe my parents did a really good job there. I'd like to emulate them mm-hmm. in this area of life. But, yeah. you know, there's this other spot, finances or whatever, where they just never really had it figured out. And I, I just kind of picked that up from them, and I better... I better rethink this. And yeah, get a new teacher. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? The the whole concept of an examined life. Uh, there's a great plug for a book we'd make. Uh, an author by the name of Pete Scassaro. He's mm-hmm. back on the East Coast, pastor for many years, and he wrote a series of books. But the the main one was called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Right. And in the book, he just he really unpacks mm-hmm. this whole idea of going back, and not in some morbid self introspection no. kind of, but actually going back and looking at. Your family of origin and what what shaped them, yeah. and then what shaped me, mm-hmm. and being able to sort of sort out, if you will, like mm-hmm. what were the things that are great that I want to hold on to and pass on, and what are the things that I yeah. just have to recognize were not so great, and I don't want to pass those on. Yeah. A good example might be anger. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents were angry a lot. My dad was angry a lot, or, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, or quiet. They were super quiet. We didn't talk much in the home. No yeah. one ever asked for forgiveness. Well, yeah. those are the kind of things, even though you may have been raised in those things, that mm-hmm. was part of your upbringing. It doesn't have to be part of your, your future. It doesn't have to be part of your parenting. Yeah. But unless you recognize it, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and not just chalk yeah. it up to genetics or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You said not just, you know, morbidly going back and digging, yeah. sifting through old bones, right. but going back with a purpose, going back with a purpose, holding Jesus' hand. Yeah. And saying, can you help me understand this? Yeah. Like, what was going on back here? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know there was, a, I think, a time in psychology, I think they've grown past this, but where a patient would come in with um, horrible guilt. They'd feel terrible mm. about their life because they'd messed up their life. And again, I don't, I don't blame modern psychology for this, but I think there was a time in the past where they would then just dig into their past and say, well, it's your mom. Look at what your mom did. Sure. She, she held you too long or she did this and that. And so really you're like this because of them doing this. And people would walk out angry at their parents and, and mad at them because they didn't have the tools of forgiveness. Yeah. And, and redemption and resurrection, yeah, that yeah. even those old broken things can now be a part of a beautiful story, a testimony, what we call it, a beautiful story of God's redemption in my life and transformation. And that's where the gospel, I think, is always going to win over. Now, there's room for modern psychology, for sure, and I think it sure. has improved from where it was. There's definitely room you know, for biblical counseling, absolutely, because that's, that's the process of, let's be intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, when God saves us, sometimes... He saves me, and my mind is saved too, but I haven't thought it through, Yeah, the implications of my salvation. Right. Yeah. Well, I think good biblical counseling can help you see, this is, this, these are the implications of his redemption. This is then how I should be living in light of the resurrection, how I should view my past, my mom and dad, my history in view of the redemption story that God has in my life. Yeah, that's where that saying, I think, comes into play, where forgiveness is giving up any hope of a better past. Mm-hmm. It's, not that we, it's not that we ignore our past or, or, or hide it in a closet and never go near it, but it no longer defines me. And I think mm-hmm. that's the key there. My past no longer defines me in, into my future. Mm-hmm. Now, I can look back and it becomes a reference point. Yeah. I can look back and say, mm-hmm. anybody who's come out of addictions yeah. uh, or, or come into a recovery program could relate to what I'm saying, right? They can mm-hmm. look back and point to, and back there, things were a mess, but look at where I am now. Mm-hmm. So that's a reference point. I never want to go back there. Right. Uh, I, there were things I could have learned, I did learn, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, facing, I'm living my life facing forward. I, right. I'm not, I can't wait for my past to change because it's not going to change. Mm-hmm. That's the saying, right? It's not, going to, it's not going to get any better or any worse. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But facing forward, yeah. I, I'm going to forge a new path with new information, mm-hmm. new understanding, new grace, new maturity. Sometimes New when, tools. when talking to someone who's in a tough place, um, maybe they're in that place of divorce mm-hmm. or, or uh, they've, they've got a kid that they're really, really struggling with that yeah. have picked a path and they don't know, you know what to do, how to raise this kid. Uh, one of the tools I like to use personally, and, and I think it, it often helps other people, is I'll tell them, imagine looking at this not in front of you, because right now this is a problem that's right in front of you. But what if you could imagine it in the rearview mirror? It's behind you. Because mm-hmm. one day, this, what we're talking about right now, is going to be a story you tell. Right. It's going to be like 10 years from now. It's going to be a story. 20 years from now, it's going to be a story that you tell. 20 years from now, how would you like to tell people you handled this? Yeah. Do you want to tell people, my marriage got really rough, or it's infidelity, or, you know, I, and I gave up? I walked away, yeah, and I looked for comfort. And I, is that the story you want to tell? Because in a way, you're in control of the story. Yeah, you are. Yeah, 
Or, or do you, would you rather tell at 20 years from now, holding your wife's hand, God, God did a miracle here? Because mm. that's, that's a choice mm. you can make, but right now, it's a hard choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you can't imagine the future. But if you do the hard thing right now, that will be your story. That will be. Your, but if you do the easier thing right now, well, that's that's going to be a different story than you're going to tell. That's you know that thing you're describing there is uh, living with vision, right? Mm-hmm. Futuristic living. Yeah, I want to be self-aware in the present. Mm-hmm. Self-aware being, I have a pretty good idea of how I got here, what got me here, good mm-hmm. and bad, and. Uh, I have a good idea of what I want to do, but I'm going to make these choices and decisions yeah. that help me write a, a better story, a yeah. futuristic, a futuristic story. That's, yeah. That passage that's really well quoted, probably mm-hmm. most of the time out of context. But this is what what God spoke to the Israelites in the in the darker days of their existence. Right? Mm-hmm. I know the plans I have for you, right. plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a future and mm-hmm. a hope. Well, what was God? He was speaking to some people that were in a mess. Yeah. Uh, and not just a day mess, but they were in a decades mm-hmm. mess of idolatry and abandonment and so forth. And God said, "No, I want to speak. You know, yeah. I want to speak vision into your yeah, future about the future." Yeah, and I imagine him like rolling out. Uh, both of us have spent time looking at plans before, like right. building plans, yeah, yeah. almost rolling Master out plan a something. set of plans and saying, "Like, I have the plans in front of me. I know where this is going. With your cooperation, this is going to be good." Now, if you choose. To ignore the plan, if you choose yeah. to go a different direction, and in parenting, I think, um, and just go back to that. There's uh, there's hard choices constantly, mm-hmm. and hard things to do, but if you do, if you make the hard choices, it makes for an easier life. If you take the the easy choices, it makes for a hard life. Yeah, and an example would be. Um, we talked uh, in the in the parenting class about how we're wanting to transfer some of my responsibilities to a child, and I'm constantly looking at every age and stage. What am I doing for you that you should start doing for yourself? Yeah, you know, because when they're little, you do everything because they don't have any self control, they don't have anything, so you do it. But at a certain point, when you're picking up, you know, Johnny's toys, and he's eight years old, you're like, well, wait a minute, why am I doing this? This should be for him. But the truth is, it's usually easier to pick just pick up Johnny's toys sure. than to get him to yeah, pick up his toys. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But you're choosing a harder life if you choose to yeah, do that. Pick your pain. <laughs> yeah, pick your pain, exactly. Yeah. The, there's, a, there's one pain in you know, picking up toys. There's another pain in trying to train a little kid to pick up toys. Yeah. It'll get harder before it gets easier. Mm. And that's a simple little you know, example, just picking up toys. But it is true that every age and stage, there's a new thing that goes, oh, man, it's going to be tough to train you through this. It's going to be hard work. And in some ways, I'd rather just do it myself. Yeah. But then I've raised a, a kid who has his development has been arrested. It's stuck back here. And I'm the one who got him stuck yeah. because I didn't give him the tools to lead an adult life. Yeah. We use a movie clip oftentimes, don't we, uh, in our marriage classes, uh, out of the, the, that, that older movie now, The Incredibles, that animated oh, yeah. movie, mm-hmm. and uh, where whoever wrote that had some real insight into human, human nature. But there's a scene where mm-hmm. the kids are around a, uh, a, a, the Dinner dining table. room table and mm-hmm. they're screaming and yelling and pulling each other's hair and killing each other. And Bob, the husband, is is in the kitchen uh, reading a mm-hmm. newspaper and dreaming about being a superhero and dreaming about being anything yeah. but just 
a dad in, right. in, in, a, in a home. The mundane. The mund- yeah, doing the mundane things of trying to get your children to eat dinner and stop mm-hmm. fighting. And the mom yells from the dining room. She's trying to bring order mm-hmm. and protect the people she loves the most. Bob, it's time to engage. <laughs> I will never forget seeing yeah. that movie the first time and almost yeah. crying because I thought those are the words mm-hmm. of, of, in a sense, those are the words of a mm-hmm. of a loving heavenly father to yeah. us, right? That's what he was saying to Israel. Israel, mm-hmm. it's time to engage. Mm-hmm. Not just engage with the plans you have made, yeah. with the... I have plans. I Absolutely. I have a way this works. I have tools I'll, I'll, I'll put in your bag. I, mm-hmm. I have a future for you, but it's you have to engage with me. It's time to engage. And I hope people have seen that that clip because oh, in that moment he he also he does engage. But like in the in the class we talked about the difference between just authoritarian heavy yeah. leadership versus yeah. relational leadership, and he went authoritarian heavy. Yeah, right. He just. Because he's, he's a big, strong man. Guy, yeah. He lifts up, up the, the table and yells the kids, at the yeah. kids. And yeah. yeah, and you know, there's that, okay, you props you engaged, but what did the kids learn from this? Yeah. You know, the, what was the takeaway that they had? Mm. And the takeaway was, well, man, dad can get really mad if we're not careful. Right. We better toe the line yeah. as opposed to dad loves us, doesn't want us hurting one another. He stepped in. And, and and brought a loving hand to us. Well, I was just thinking where you're talking about who's listening to this right now, wherever you are, and you might stop for a second and and, and just reflect. Like, did I have a father who mm. was truly engaged with mm-hmm. me, who I felt like he listened, we yeah. had good conversations, we, uh, I, I, I lived, uh, I, I didn't live in a performance-based environment or a judgmental environment. I was allowed to make mistakes, but yeah. I was unconditionally loved. That kind of existence, mm-hmm. which um, is, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it's, I think, mm-hmm. or the other side of the coin where I sort of raised myself. My dad was non-existent. Maybe he was in the home, but he, was, he wasn't engaged. Or mm-hmm. maybe he literally wasn't in the home. Those are some of the testimonies we heard last night. My right. father wasn't in the home. Or if he was, he was emotionally absent, right? Mm -hmm. And then right now you reflect that, but God promises to be uh, uh, an engaged, present, wise, loving, heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And that's the power, I think, of the gospel. Because if if the gospel is not true, that Jesus Christ opened the way to a relationship with the Father, Mm -hmm. well, then I'm still on my own. Mm -hmm. I'm still adrift. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to perform in order to be loved or accepted. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, and it's just, what a tragic thing to, to imagine. You don't, I, But we don't have to be alone, and yeah. we don't have to perform anymore. Um, if we've someone, been accepted. If someone is there in that place like you just described, that maybe they, it makes them realize, like, oh, dad or mom or both, like, what is step one, you think? In like, okay, now I realized that there's a certain dawning on me, like, oh, maybe... There's more back there. There's more dysfunction that plays into my decisions today than I thought. What's the first? What do I do now? Now I know it, or I recognize it. Now what? Yeah, I think one of the challenges of our culture today is isolation. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet has enabled us, in, to some degree, to uh, to just remain isolated. Mm-hmm. I can just get my information, get my social interaction. Yeah. I don't actually have to relate to another human being, and I just think it's tragic. That's the beauty of why I think of church. This is why we pastor. Why you know why I believe in the power of Christian community because mm-hmm. you can come regardless of your background and hopefully find an environment where you're accepted. 
and you begin to know and you're known. Mm -hmm. So I think that first step is moving towards um, another human being that has maybe what you need in your moment, your season. So mm-hmm. in the case of this, of a man who's been, who's been sort of raised himself, I, I think there's something incredibly powerful about moving towards a group of men mm-hmm. where you can know and be known and um, your life can, you can open right. your life up. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're perfect or you're perfect, but it, what it means is, hey, we're in this journey mm-hmm. together. And you discover that you're not as alone as you think you were and you're not as... Yeah. Oftentimes, your story is not unique. It's shared by a whole bunch right. of bunch of other men that say, yeah. along with you, they say to you, they look you in the eye and they mm-hmm. say, you know what? Me too. Yeah. Me too. Man, did you did you blow it back there? Fifteen years, man. Mm-hmm. Me too. You struggle with addiction. You know what? Me too. Mm-hmm. You're insecure about yeah. whether you're doing a good job or not. It's amazing. Over the course of our ministry, I've known men who are incredibly successful, multi, multi, multi millionaires. And men who just live a relatively average life, but everybody struggles with, gosh, you know, should I be more? Am I enough? Yeah. Is this enough? Yeah. Have I have I done uh, have I done enough? Yeah. Um, me I'm, too. I remember uh, my dad. Um, he passed from from cancer a few years ago, and uh, I never lived that close to him during his his cancer struggle. But whenever I I did go to see him. We'd end up in waiting rooms together because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what happens right. when you have a terminal disease like that. Yeah. You end up seeing the doctor a lot, and this had also the cancer had taken his uh, his kidneys, and so he was on dialysis, which means like two, three times a week you're sitting down attached to a machine. Back then, I think it's gotten a little better. And you were there for several hours, mm-hmm. and I was just a lot of times I was just sitting around with him, you know, while he was doing his treatments and stuff. And I picked up a. Uh, uh, a magazine, a men's magazine. I can't remember if it was like a men's health or a GQ, but one of those like guys magazines, you know, it's all for men. Everything in it is guys stuff. And I won't say the actor was, was but there was just an article on actor and I didn't really care about the actor, but I'm just killing time because I'm there with my dad and I start reading it. And this actor though, he was like, you know, the epitome of a man's man. Mm-hmm. He was the, if you, if you want, you know, to represent strength and masculinity you got this actor to play the role, and he was going to, you know, kick butt and take names. Yeah, and he he said he said it feels like my whole life from the time I was about thirteen, I just kept waiting for someone to walk in the door and tell me I was a man, mm. I, and just just tell me I was enough. And I thought, oh my goodness, if this is what we're putting in front of you know our young men and saying, yeah, be like this guy, yeah. like when when trouble comes. Be like that. That's the answer. And he has no idea what it means yeah. to be a man. And he was describing fatherlessness in his own life. He said, and, and I just, I never had a dad around. Mm. And so no one was there to say, good job, son. Like, hey, you're a man now. And so I've just never been able to answer that question. And that is at the root of why I act so manly, because it is an act. Because mm. I'm trying to figure out, like, is this enough? Mm. Am I man enough now? And I, I know we're just talking about men here, but I, I think it's yeah. worth doing because sure. there, there is a role that a father plays yeah. in a house. And if you're playing that role from insecurity, it probably it's probably going to hurt the kids in the long yeah. run. And it's such a vulnerable spot or a vulnerable way to go yeah. through life because my whole life is 
is really either consciously or unconsciously a search yeah. for validation, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want someone to tell me I'm a man. Well, what if that someone who wants to say those words to you has ulterior motives? Yeah. You know? What if they want to sell you something? What if they want to control you? Which, Absolutely. that's why that guy is mm-hmm. on the front page of a men's magazine, yeah. right? Right. Right. Uh, so... Uh, but on the ground, in the trenches with men, mm-hmm. uh, that's a question, again, I think we're yeah. all asking, uh, am I enough? Mm-hmm. Can I cut it? Um, yeah. And how much is enough? Yeah. Well, if, if that answer is going to come from a, mm-hmm. <laughs> an equally lost world, we're just, uh, mm-hmm. the blind are leading the blind, but what if that yeah. answer comes from a heavenly father? Yeah, and I, I think in parenting, part of becoming godly parent, is to say, I know I'm not enough. Yeah. My kid needs something that I can't give them. Because my kid is born, just like I was, a sinner in need of a Savior. Yeah. And I can be their dad, I can be their mom, and I can be the best one I could possibly be, and they're still going to need a Savior. Yeah. They're still going to need redemption. Yeah. They're still going to need forgiveness. There's just, I can represent that as, as well as I possibly can. And, and I'm still not going to be enough. And that's okay. Because you know, mm-hmm. the reality is then, now my, my, the best thing I could do as a parent is point them to yeah. the one who is enough, yeah. the one who's done enough, who can give the final verdict in their life and name them. And I, I, that's one of the things that still amazes me just about parenting. I know it's, it, it's so simplistic, I feel like maybe we miss it sometimes. But God allows us to name a child. Yeah. Like, and then He calls that kid by their name. Mm-hmm. That name that I gave my, I named my girls Grace and Faith. And when God talks to them, He says Grace. He says their name, the name that I gave them. Mm-hmm. That's going to hang around for eternity. for eternity. You know, that's that's a pretty big deal. Right. And that's just a name. What else am I giving my kid? I'm giving them, you know, I'm trying to form an identity in them. I'm trying to form character in them. I'm trying to, you know, all of these things. And, mm. and I can give them the right name, but then after that, I feel like, God, I'm not enough. I don't have, like, I want, I care more about these girls than I've ever cared about. I think in my whole life, I need you mm-hmm. to save them. I need yeah. you to direct them. Yeah. And now I'm in that place in my life where they are leaving the house, and I realize, like, oh, they're out of my... I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm still in their life. Yeah. I'll be in their life for the rest of my life. But they're making decisions for themselves Some now. Some of the strings are being cut. Yeah. And, yeah, and they're coming back to Dad and saying, what do you think about this or that? Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's their call, not mine. And I'm trying my best, but I need to equip them with Jesus because he's going to leave the house with them, and I'm going to stay here. Yeah. You know, in the gospel, what we see is an invitation to partner with God. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in everything, in uh, redeeming the earth, in, in uh, bringing love and grace into a, mm-hmm. into a dark culture or a, a hurting world. And, and in parenting, it's, uh, it's creating or it's, it's cooperating with the God mm-hmm. who created our children. It's, yeah. it's trying to figure out who, who, who God has wired them and shaped them to be. Yeah. And then what I do is I cooperate with God. It's not the other way around, because if it's the other way around, it's all on me. It's not yeah. like getting God to uh, come to bless my plan. It's mm-hmm. God, what is your plan for these lives that right. you've put into, in, into our home? And uh, I want to cooperate. I want to discover what that is. And again, that passivity is an enemy of that. Mm-hmm. But um, when we're on that journey together with God and with other people, it's a, it's a great learning experience. A journey. It's a journey. Yeah. 
Um, I think we've been going for a while, but maybe we could ask this question real quick and try to give an answer. I, I, I hope, it, I don't know. How, have we gone too long? Ethan, you can tell us if we, we need to wrap it up. When you start hearing kids, I'd okay. say that's too long. Okay. All right. We're, 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 yeah, we got classroom next door, so they'll let us know when we've gone too long because they'll start singing. It's a music class. Um, all right. There's a, there's a question here. It's actually from a little while back, uh, and I'm going to leave part of it out because maybe it's a, a personal um, but they're talking about praying for someone um, that was very, very close to the family who passed away. And it says, many people, including myself, were praying for this, uh, for his health and healing. Since he passed, it made me wonder why we pray to God for things and people when in the grand scheme of things, the path is already cut out and God's will will be done anyway. Hmm. That's the question. So they're really asking, yeah. like, hey, I pray, and in this particular instance, I prayed for someone to be healed. Hmm. And they weren't healed, and it kind of made me think, why do we pray? If if at the end of that you're told, well, it was God's will that they pass, yeah. well, then why was it? Why was I praying at the same time? Yeah. The phrase that stands out to me in that question uh, is, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact is, um, I don't know the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Now, does God? I believe he does, but I live in the moment. And mm-hmm. I live in this particular day, in this particular circumstance. And so prayer is, is there's a bit, obviously, there's an element of mystery yeah. to prayer. But um, what if prayer does something that maybe I don't understand? In other words, mm-hmm. if my friend is sick and I'm just praying for their healing, praying for their healing, I think that might be a little bit, uh, might be short-sighted in the grand scheme of things, because prayer could do more than just... God's able to again handle. He's he's able to multitask in a way sure. that we're not. So, what if prayer is not just changing uh, prayer to change them, but what if prayer is an element to change me? What if prayer changes my perspective? What if prayer mm-hmm. changes um, uh, something that uh, it tips over a domino that mm-hmm. I don't see, but or maybe I do somewhere sure. down the road? But yeah. I think there's a little bit of. Uh, there's going to be some faith and mystery always involved in yeah. prayer. And the option to just not pray, mm-hmm. I think, is a depressing and a really ineffective option. Yeah, that's very true. To choose not to talk to God about yeah. the things that matter to you. And, I don't know and, how that can't be depressing. And also, we are a church who believes that prayer changes things. Sure. That it's what yeah. we believe. Yeah. You know, we're not, there's, a, there's an extreme side of uh, Calvinism. I'm not here to rail on Calvinism, but there's an extreme side of Calvinism that honestly most people don't take that, that uh, says, like, yeah, God is completely, completely in control of everything. Every decision is already made, and you're just kind of a puppet walking mm-hmm. that out. And, you know, I, I think the reality is nobody really behaves in their life that way. We yeah. all act in every decision as if it matters. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that's an act. I think it's really. I think our decisions, our prayers, our thoughts, all these things really matter, and they, they have real significance. And I know that because God asks me to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Yeah. And He's not into me doing futile things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want me to waste yeah. my time. Yeah. So if it was a waste of time, and he said, I've got all this under control, you don't really need to do this, he does say, don't pray like the pagans pray, it just, just vain, vain repetition. Yeah. yeah, Please don't do that, because mm-hmm. that doesn't do anything. If you think it, it, your volume, or the length, or the, the fervency, you know, the, some of those things that I think sometimes we think is what pushes the dial, isn't what actually pushes the dial. Yeah. So I just want you to pray in faith believing. 
There's there's that old saying. There's no there's no unbelievers in a foxhole, right? And yeah. And when we're faced with tragedy or death, the prayer then is not just some rote repetition of words, but it's mm-hmm. this conversation with God. Yeah. And God can take it all. If that even mm-hmm. if that conversation is hard or yeah. angry or complaining, or I mean, the Book mm-hmm. of Psalms is a book of prayers uh, put into put into black and white, right? Yeah. And uh, some of those prayers are desperate prayers. Some of those prayers oh, are yeah. joyful thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Some of those prayers are like, God, what is going yeah, on why here? Why did you why? do this? Yeah. In fact, most of those, mm-hmm. most of the Psalms are those prayers of yeah. lament. Like, yeah. God, this is this is awful. Life yeah. is awful. The wicked seem to be winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, pain seems to be omnipresent. Where yeah. are you, God? Where are you? And I'm a big fan of the blues. I love the blues. Yeah. I love old oh, blues. And one of the things I love about it is it's real. Yeah. Like someone says, this hurts. This yeah. is terrible. I hate yeah. this. And that's what happens in the Psalms. And yeah. sometimes you just have to pour your heart out to God. Yeah. And he says, I want you to pour your heart out. And I think that doesn't negate the sovereignty of God. It is the sovereignty of God. Within his sovereignty, he says, I want you to pray. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is my will. This is my sovereign will that you ask, mm-hmm. that you talk to me. And I'm going to talk back to you. And it's not a play that's been written out. It's a real interaction. So whatever you think about predestination and sovereignty has to take into account that the God of the Bible asks us to do these things. And so you, you can't have it so written in stone, even though I do believe, yes, God knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. I don't take away from any of the, uh, the omnis of God. He is all of those things. Sure. But he also asks us to interact with him, which means something. And like you say, it I've seen miracles. Yeah. I've seen people mm-hmm. that came in one way and left another. Yeah. Sometimes it's a spiritual miracle. They were an addict and God saved them and changed their life. Or they were sick and infirm in some ways and God healed them. And I just can't. Isn't write it interesting? That off. Because what I said earlier was prayer can change me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's I don't even I don't even care about that yet. I just want you to heal my friend. Right. But all of us that's why I'm saying God's able to go, well, I'll deal with your friend. I love your friend mm-hmm. or I love your loved one more than you do. But I want to deal with you now. So yeah. the idea of the blues, uh, mm-hmm. a, a band that writes these words and these words that are put to music of mm-hmm. lament or mm-hmm. they're the blues. Yeah. And think you had this picture. I was just last Saturday at a live music event mm-hmm. of, of a band in a, in a crowd of people sharing a meal, and they were playing, uh, you know, what would be oldies, right? Mm-hmm. The, the cover songs of all these bands from the eighties yeah. and the nineties. But even though it was a room full of strangers, everybody was engaged, tapping mm-hmm. their foot, smiling, laughing, singing. Some were dancing. Mm-hmm. And so it was this commute, this, this, those words in that music brought these people together. I think that's what church is like, right? Yeah. Church is we come together mm-hmm. and maybe on a Sunday we sing the blues. Yeah. You know, it's like, man, this is a tough thing. We lost mm-hmm. George Jackson last week. We lost Brother Jim last week. Mm-hmm. He, he went on, he, he, he died. Yeah. But, and then some Sundays are we gather and, and, and the songs are joyful. We, mm-hmm. we celebrate together, but we're doing it. Life together, yeah, together, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, together. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I, again, this, this question was a little bit old. It came a few months ago. There's more questions than we can all ever get to. Um, but I hope when the family goes through moments like this, I'm going to pray that um, I come out of it more engaged with God, not less. 
Because there have been times, yeah. we could also talk about, there's sure. always times my prayers go unanswered. Yeah. They I, seem to be going They seem to go, like, they yeah. don't go, they, I don't believe any prayer goes unheard. Right. But there are times they feel unanswered. Well, this is what I was asking for, and it didn't come about. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that's partially because we just have limited perspective. That's we it. just can't see We it don't all. see the grand scheme of things. Yeah. There is going to be a day when I can stand before God and all those questions will feel like, oh, I think yeah. I'm beginning to see it now. It was your goodness yeah. that you were doing. It didn't feel wisdom. good. It didn't yeah. feel good. It didn't feel wise. It didn't feel just. Mm. But now I see mm. what you were doing because he's good. Yeah. And so in the end, he will be proven good. Yeah. 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 And I'm grateful God hasn't given me everything I've ever prayed for. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great old uh, country song. <laughs> you know what? I thank God for unanswered prayers. Oh, yeah. No, oh, it's a great heard. song. Huh. Yeah. I I like the blues, but I like country, too. There you go. Nothing there wrong with go. little George Jones. Uh, okay, folks. Wow. Time well, thank up. you. Time is up. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with us here. If you've got a question that you'd like uh, us to address, I, I, I almost feel a little bit bad because we ask for questions, and I know we can't address all the questions that come, but please Keep please ask them, and we'll do the best we can. We would love to have your questions. Yeah. Um, if you're listening from far away, uh, maybe a few mm-hmm. states over, or maybe you're outside this country and the other side of the world, I know there's some of you that listen mm-hmm. to us, um, yeah, wherever you are. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever yeah. You are, and if God's you're there. if you're local and you'd like to uh, join us, uh, yeah. please come on a Sunday. Uh, our our parenting class is full. Man, it's so full. There's so many people yeah. there. So many kids there. Yep. The other night, it's amazing. But uh, but we'd love to have you on a Sunday. Join a life group. Be a part of our community. Yep. Bless you guys. Love you. See yeah, you soon. Have a great week.